0: I think that as time has gone on, what I really like about Remix is that because of its focus on the web, the more time you spend learning Remix, you actually spend a lot of time just learning the web. And so like the skills that you get are transferable, which I think is really valuable.
1: Welcome to PodRocket. My name is Noel, and joining us today is Kent C. Dodds. Kent is a JavaScript engineer and a teacher. He's also active in the open source community and the father of four kids. Thanks for joining us, Kent. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's Monday morning, so, you know, kind of getting in the flow, but doing our thing. Um Yeah. So can you give us kind of a a
0: quick intro about yourself, kind of who you are, your background, where you came from and what you're working on now? Yeah, sure. So I I can be a long winded person. So feel free to to stop me if I'm going too long. Um, But yeah, so I live in Utah uh, with my wife and four children and one dog. And Um, I graduated with a a master's degree in information systems from uh, Brigham Young University um, in 2014. And I've been uh, developing software ever since. I worked at a couple of companies. Uh, The longest was PayPal uh, for three years. And then I went, uh, I'd been doing a lot of teaching on the side. And um, I built testingjavascript.com and that ended up working out really well. And so I decided to uh, go teaching full time. for uh, almost uh, like two and a half years and then i actually joined up with remix to help um build that the community and and uh, developer experience for uh that web framework and then uh, about two a m- month and a half ago or so um i decided to go back to full-time teacher and work on what i'm working on now which is epicweb.dev nice perfect as a like- a
1: great overview i don't feel like that was long-winded at all i feel like you like totally you totally nailed that um (laughs) cool so tell me a little about um okay we'll kind of go through chronologically here tell me about what drew you to remix and like how that was initially because initially remix was like licensed wasn't it i'm kind of i'm a little bit shaky on the history but
0: yeah yeah sure yeah, so uh, when I decided to go full time teacher, uh, my first year I um, I updated testingjavascript.com. Second year I created epicreact.dev, and then third year um, I uh, around the time when I was while I was creating epic react, uh, my friend Ryan Fl- that that was uh, 2020, so like the world was on fire and everything, and um, Ryan Florence and uh, Michael Jackson had their React training business. Uh, which was primarily in-person trainings. And so that did not go well with uh, COVID and they had to pivot. And to make a long story short, they decided to build software and sell it, um, which seems like a, a no-brainer, but a lot of people had a problem with that, I guess. <laughs> so um, so they, they built a framework and um, sold licenses. Um, and I bought a license during the developer preview uh, and it actually never came out of developer preview because they decided to open source it a year later uh, but while it was in developer preview um, I, like and, and actually even before that I was consulting with uh, Ryan especially on some of the things that he was working on and ideas that he had and giving feedback and um, uh, and so by the time it came out as a, a beta um, I was super into the like the goals of what they were trying to accomplish and how they were doing it Uh, relative to other frameworks that it used like Next and Gatsby. And so my site at the time was built with Gatsby and I decided to rebuild it using Remix. And that that was kind of like uh, flying an airplane while rebuilding it in the air um, because like a lot of things weren't supported yet. And there are a lot of things that my website does now uh, that I'm only doing it that way because um, a better way didn't exist yet. Um, And now, so uh, a lot of Actually, several features in Remix are a direct result of issues I had when I was building my site. But I, I endured that because I could see that the foundation that Remix was built on was really solid. And, um, and, it, it, to- and it, it proved really well. So like now um, I'm extremely productive building with Remix. Um, and the things that I build are fast by default um, and it, the mental model is really simple. Um, and so, yeah, I, I made it, you know, it took a bit of a gamble to go with something that was being built while in flight. Um, but that has really paid off and, and I enjoyed it so much that all I wanted to do was teach people how to use remix. And so Ryan and Michael were like, Hey, how about you just like do that at our company? Like we, we got funding and stuff. So like, come join us. And so that's what I did for about 10 or 11 months. What
1: you, you, you kind of talked about like the the foundations being really strong there in Remix, Can you go a little bit more
0: into that. Like what what were you, what were you seeing that really drew you to it? Yeah, I'd love to. So one thing that they really uh, from the start that they really wanted to emphasize was um, uh, a exposure of the platform. So a lot of um, frameworks and, and libraries that that I've worked on. Uh, you typically take the platform APIs, like y- you can't avoid the platform APIs. At some point, something's talking to the platform, right? But most of the time, um, I would uh, look at that and be like, that API is not the sort of thing that I want to work with directly. So I'm going to wrap it and provide a better API that's like more tuned for my particular use case. Um, and it wasn't until testing library, uh, I created that well, uh, like just about the time I, I was uh, toward the end of my time at PayPal. And I... Um, that was when I was like, you know what? It actually is really nice to be able to just expose uh, platform APIs. And uh, that worked out really well. Now testing library is the most widely used um, library for DOM testing in the world. Um, and so it uh, uh, exposing platform APIs uh, seems to be like a really good idea. So you, you do provide abstractions, but your inputs and outputs to those abstractions are all uh, platform APIs. So it, with testing library, it was all DOM stuff. And so I saw that uh, Remix, their focus was um, exposing platform APIs as well. So instead of building their own request response API, they um, use the Web Fetch API for request and response, and uh, and then that like periflates through everything, uh, URL search params, and uh, like all of the things that uh, you know form data, everything that's like built into the platform. Um, it is a, an important part of Remix. Uh, and even beyond that, um, for the mutation story of Remix, uh, you use forms rather than an on-click handler with a, or you know, form prevent default or any of that stuff uh, and like hitting a, an API route with JSON. Uh, it's just, here's how you do uh, mutations on the web. We'll just basically do that same thing um, and uh, or at least emulate that behavior, and provide us with uh, the better user experience that we're looking for. And so uh, that's what I mean when I say a really solid foundation, uh, because the foundation is the web platform itself.
1: Yeah, nice, nice. That, that makes a lot of sense. And then, then kind of when you when you transition into working, or I guess maybe teaching it full time, how did that? How did that go? How did that feel? Were was there any anything unexpected? Or was it kind of all positive energy for the most part?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, so there, there are some drawbacks to teaching something that's, that's totally new. Um, and that's, well, uh, I say that there are drawbacks, but like you, you can't, you have no resources, like nobody else can teach you how to do stuff, um, so that you can learn how to, and so you just have to spend a silly amount of time playing with it yourself. And, um, and maybe, one piece of advice that you come up with that you're like, I think this would be a good idea, turns out to not be as great an idea or, or the best approach. Or or uh, you're, it's still un, um, un, uh, unproven um, when you're working with something so early. And typically when I'm working with something that uh, has been out for a while, I'm typically spending a ton of time working with it anyway. I don't like to teach something that I haven't used and deployed and everything, um, which is why you'll probably... Not see um, you know anything uh, from me about Rust or anything like that because I'm I'm 100 TypeScript JavaScript uh, person but um, yeah with with something that is just totally brand new um, it is a little bit challenging because you don't really have anybody who has experience to say hey like I don't think you should do it that way because you know this thing that happened to me because like nothing's happened to anybody yet um, so that piece can be a little bit challenging um but uh yeah for the most part like it's exciting um and and very greenfield i I suppose there are fewer abstractions as well uh like libraries that people have built um which can be difficult um a lot of people are working on different things and so you have to decide okay which one of these uh horses do i want to bet on for you know what they're gonna um you know whether this is the right path to go down to solve this particular problem, or do I want to just build my own? Um, so yeah, that, that can be a challenge as well. Um, and, and typically in the early days of a, a framework, things do change quite a bit. Um, and so keeping things up to date um, can be a challenge there too. Um, but as far as like the solidity of the, like what I'm teaching people, like ultimately being, uh, use remix it's really great um that has worked out really nicely nice awesome
1: did you did you find that your audience once you were spe- like once you were focused on kind of remix specifically or it was all remix oriented was was that audience were, were they pretty kind of technically proficient web front-end people already i just i i i have this inclination that like when are when you're talking like when you're looking at these new frameworks that are pretty um I don't know if like early in the development's right term, but they haven't proliferated super heavily just like into the kind of developer professional developer ecosystem yet. I would suspect that most people there are already like pretty web proficient versus some like if you you know posted a or put up a poster for like an introduction to React class, you might get a lot of people on, you know, coming in that don't have a very deep background yet. Did you find that to be the case? Like were most people kind of like, you know, they were pretty proficient with one web technology or another already when they were kind of coming into these, these dialogues, whatever form they took.
0: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, So uh, definitely the early days, um, especially when it was developer preview, we didn't get anybody or, or we, uh, I mean, I'm sure that there were a couple, but there were very few people who didn't already have a good understanding of the web platform, um, you know, uh, joining up with the developer preview. Because um, if you're a brand new developer um, and you're you're not sure how to evaluate different frameworks, you're probably not going to choose the one that makes you pay money to use, right? Um, and so, yeah, so the, the first like 500 people who were actually paying uh, for access to Remix, myself included, were experienced engineers for sure um, and most of them were just building things just to, to play around with it and, and learn from what they could. Um, and, um, yeah, for a long time, my website was the biggest deployment of a remix app in the world, um, for probably almost a year. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think that, um, as, as time has gone on, what I really like about Remix is that because of its focus about uh, on the web, the more time you spend learning Remix, uh, you actually spend a lot of time just learning the web. And so like the skills that you get are transferable, which I think is really valuable. And the other thing with that is the um, uh, Remix, because of the mental model of Remix, it actually drastically simplifies um, web development and especially if we're talking about uh, just building a, a react app um, where react in, in a remix world react kind of turns into at least for a product developer kind of turns into just a template library uh, now there are there are of course still advanced components like dropdowns and uh, you know carousels and and modals and stuff like some things that require uh, some more experience as a web developer but for the vast majority of product engineers who either have um, a ui toolkit library that their company has built or can just use one off the shelf that's open source um, when you're building your pages with remix you're just like templating things out there there's really not a lot of complex react stuff you have to do or think about uh, and so I think that Remix is actually really well positioned as a, a beginner's first framework for sure.
1: Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to imply that it wasn't or anything. I was more just curious. You know, again, it's like on, on something as fledgling or a more fledgling project, I would suspect that you'd get people that are kind of a little bit more privy to new stuff that's going on versus kind of just walking in naive, but I think, I think,
0: yeah, yeah, 100%. And and that was exactly the case in the early days of remix. Um, and I think we're, we're moving on from that and we're getting a lot more beginners in the, the community for sure.
1: Nice. Nice. That's exciting. So what was, what was your day to day like at the time? Kind of what were, where were you focusing your energy?
0: Uh, so my my title was uh, co-founder and director of developer experience, um, and which is kind of weird because uh, it, Remix was definitely founded long before I joined. Um, but uh, but they wanted me to be a part of uh, product direction and and uh, things like uh, of that nature, and so they gave me the title of co-founder. Um, and we had our, our weekly planning meetings on Mondays, uh, the three of us to decide what was important and, and what people should be working on. Um, and we had uh, nine of us, I think, um, and include like the three of us included. And so we just had to decide what are different people going to be working on. And, uh, so then on Tuesdays, we would, uh, meet with everybody and say, here, are the thing, this is the direction of everything. Um, my primary focus was, uh, developer experience related stuff. So the CLI, the, um, the stacks, uh, thing that we, um, came up, that was Ryan's idea, uh, to have these project templates that were really easy to, to get something rolling. Um, I, I ran the conference, uh, that w- went actually crazy well, um, like, Within six months of open sourcing, we had over three hundred people at a conference, like in person conference. Like that is outrageous. Um, it went so that was awesome. Um, and then I also organized uh, the meetups. I think there are twelve of them now, uh, all over the world. Um, over two thousand members of those. Um, so that was uh, something else. I, I managed uh, the Discord community, uh, the mailing list, um, all all community related stuff. Um, that was uh, like the the biggest um thing for me was um was getting people's attention and growth and uh and then so my job was to get people to give remix some some thought and attention and then uh, Ryan and Michael's job was well Ryan's job was to be the CEO which is like a silly amount of uh like work um i can't that sounded like the worst job ever honestly <laughs> like, there's so much stupid stuff you have to do to be a business um, and then uh, uh, but he, he definitely took a lot of time to review PRs and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so Ryan and Michael's job was to make the framework awesome. And then my job was just to get people interested. Uh, so I actually spent a lot of time giving talks and traveling for conferences and and um, and uh, writing blog posts and, and stuff like that, too.
1: Yeah, nice, nice. I'm, 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 sure it was a very, a very busy time, and like you were wearing many hats, and it was, it was yeah. kind of
0: stressful. But early um, days of startups are fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's awesome. So, what are you, what are you kind of taking with you from that experience into Epic Web, like Dev? What's, what's kind of carrying over? What are you? You know, what What will be in the middle of the Venn diagram still?
0: Yeah, yeah. So epicweb.dev is uh, something that I've been wanting to build for a really long time. Um, I always called it KCDEDU, uh, which is basically like everything that I know about web development goes into this. Uh, so it is an extremely large um platform of knowledge that I plan to build ultimately um, that will um be a good place to direct somebody who thinks they might want to learn how to program. Like so somebody who's never programmed before, um, but also somebody who's um very experienced in in web programming and wants to level up. Uh, so it, it will cover the whole spectrum. And the uh the way that I'm doing this, I I I've been teaching for a long time, uh I created Epic React and tens of thousands of people have gone through both Epic React and, and testing JavaScript. Uh, I've given workshops to thousands of people. So um, with that experience, um, I've learned that the the um, best way that I can uh, teach is by giving people hands-on experience in building stuff. And the um, the way that I'm going to do, or that I plan to do that, is by building a, a real-world app that has real-world... Um, uh, lim- or, uh, uh, what are product requirements. Um, and then, uh, uh, what basically when I finish building that, and right now I'm, I'm building that openly. Like you can watch me, I, I live stream pretty much every day, uh, building this app. Um, when I finished with that, then I will turn it into a series of workshops and I'll, I'll i actually have my, um, partners at egghead IO or, or skill recordings as they're now called. Um, the, they are, uh, watching all of my live streams and Picking out the pieces of knowledge that I need to be able to teach, uh, so that people will know everything they need to know to be able to build what I built. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to turn this into a series of probably 30 workshops. Um, and uh, basically, it's I, I see it as uh, relatively comparable to a CS degree. Um, so it should take people probably a year to go through all of the material if they're starting from scratch. Um, and maybe even longer, um, depending on how committed they are to the um, timelines. So, anyway, yeah, that's that's the idea of what it is. Um, it will be like let's build this thing together from scratch.
1: Nice, nice. I, I have other questions I'm going to ask. I'm going to dig in a, dig in a little bit there because it's I've I feel like very seldom do you hear someone talking about like a you know kind of a, a, a an online course or like a Code School s thing that they will say like you know kind of is the um like mental commitment of getting a cs degree or like it will take a year to get through do you what has led you to that do you think that that's necessary do you think a lot of those kind of you know little like oh get 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 up to speed on software dev in two months do you think that that's unrealistic
0: yeah totally unrealistic everybody's like making things up i hate that so much that like people um feel like um there's a shortcut to learning this stuff. There is super duper not that there is no such thing as a shortcut to being an experienced engineer. The, the only way you get experience is by having experiences. And so, um, yeah, uh, Epic react. Um, I tell people it takes 14 weeks. Um, and, and like, it's important, like you could go through the material in in probably a week of just every day you're watching videos. It's there are like 350 videos on there. Uh, it's, over 20 hours of, of content. So like you, if you wanted to marathon it and you watch it on 2X, like, okay, yeah, sure. You can get through all the material, but, um, the, the videos are not where the learning happens. Uh, the learning happens when you go in and you try to, to work through the material yourself, and then you use the video to correct any misperceptions or, or misunderstandings that you had. Um, and so the, um, uh like the idea that you could learn uh to become an engineer after just a couple of weeks of going through some course um is is bogus um now i should say that most courses don't have the um the sk- scope that what i'm planning on has like most of them are just like you know I'll learn everything there is to know about prisma in 2 weeks or something like, okay like yeah sure i can learn everything about prisma in 2 weeks um but uh, mine, mine is like learn how to be a full stack web engineer from zero in a year. I, I think even that is pretty ambitious. Um, and so like that, um, the, uh, learning is not cheap um, from a time commitment standpoint. Um, it, it takes dedication and it's really hard to go, go through. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you've got that commitment, then, uh, what I'm building is the best way I know how to uh, get people to learn this stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is a kind of, I don't know, a pretty wise perspective. I think, I think we have a tendency to under underestimate the, like, yeah, the complexity of learning. A lot of them are like, Oh, you know, we're smart people. We know things about web dev already, but you know, it's the same thing. Like until you get in the habit of, setting reminders for yourself and like keeping things on track. Like you'll always lose, you know, you always, you always lose the details and it's hard to recall stuff. And I think, like you said, like you, you become experienced by experiencing the thing like, is, is a, is a very good way to put it. Um, awesome. So yeah. Like what are the um, like, what's the kind of, I guess, where, how far are you along in, in your kind of course building your epicweb.dev uh, process of putting that together. Are you, are you getting pretty close or are you pretty, pretty early still?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're asking. So uh, a lot of people will say, should I just wait for Epic Web Dev or should I, you know, buy course X? And most of the time, they're, since they're asking me, they're asking about Epic React or testing JavaScript. Uh, but like any course, if you're thinking about like, there's, I, I want to learn Web Dev now. Uh, should I just wait for Epic Web? Do not wait. Um, I am, that my expectation is that this will take me two years to finish. And, um, I, I do plan on releasing it in chunks, um, because I need to like get some feedback and, and like make this sustainable, uh, and the way that I build courses, uh, it is impossible to build them fast because, um, I, uh, I give these as workshops to real people at least three times before I record it. Um, and so if we are thinking this will be 20 to 30 workshops, Um, that's like 90 workshops I have to run, um, to, to at least, um, to make this happen. So, um, yeah, so this is going to take a long time. I expect the first piece of this to come out, um, partway through next year, maybe toward the end, uh, latter half of the next year. Um, and I'm going to start with the advanced stuff first. Um, the, it's actually a lot better because I want things to build. I want it to be all cohesive. Um, and so, um, I want, like workshop one to then go and in, lead into workshop two and then that leads into so like it's a, a linear thing there will of course be like specific things like okay let's learn about x you know that's like a, a side you know side quest or something um but uh but for the most part it's all linear built on itself and so to be able to do that effectively actually have, if you ever do like a maze on a paper it you'll find that it's always easier to start at the end and work backwards to the start. Um, And there's a reason for that. Um, And so I I think that um, I'm planning on finishing the whole uh, app that we're going to build together. And then I'll start with the the last thing that I did and make a workshop out of that and then work backwards um, so that it actually can build on itself. Um, And then I'll I'll also mention that uh, the beginner stuff, when I get down to like, here, let's learn JavaScript, let's learn HTML and CSS, uh, that will all be free. Um, uh, I, I have no interest in, um, making money off of people's hopes and dreams. And that's the type of person who's going to be taking those ones, um, are people who are like, I'm not sure I want to do this, but like, maybe, um, so the, the beginner stuff will be free. Um, and, uh, uh and that, yeah, that definitely is going to come, uh, that'll probably come last, uh, in, in the next year and a half or so
1: kind of kind of way to set it up and that i feel like it has to has to be almost like frustrating to you to an extent to know that like oh i want to do this thing but i've got to start at the end to like make sure that the transitions are clean and everything works um but yeah, i i appreciate it yeah yeah
0: it is it is a little frustrating a- and like it, it just it feels a little waterfall to me um where i have to build this app and and um i'm i'm like maybe halfway done with building the app. Uh, And then I'm going to have some experts come in and help with stuff like um, uh, design. Like I'm going to actually hire a designer because I'm not teaching design. I am not good at that and you wouldn't want me to teach design. So I'm going to have a designer come in uh, and then I'm actually going to do interviews with experts to like review the code. So somebody who's an expert in database modeling, like, how how do I do? Uh, You know, and we'll record that and that will be a part of the course as well. Um, and, uh, and then you know, of course I'll, I'll make adjustments, um, to, uh, to the material before actually recording. Um, so I'll, I'll have a number of, uh, or a series of where experts tear apart what I've done, um, which I think will be valuable for people to see as well. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so far I've gotten probably 20 to 30, maybe actually maybe quite a bit more, maybe 50 hours worth of live streaming that people can go watch now and see my progress on, on the app. So if somebody was like, just didn't have the money to do this and, and wanted to learn right now what I'm doing, uh, a dedicated person could just go and watch my live streams. Uh, the, the problem is that live streams are um, low value to time ratio things. Um, but uh, a lot of people, like I have thousands of people watching my live streams. And so like people do it and it, it can be interesting. So yeah,
1: maybe people just enjoy listening to your voice and they find you calming and entertaining. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like amidst this though, you're still like writing blog posts and working on a bunch of other stuff. How are you, how are you managing and, and splitting up your time?
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I am also the father of four children and, right. and all that too. So, yeah, so this is my full-time thing. Um, and so like when my kids come home from school and everything and, and what I'm done with the day at like five, I'm, I'm just hanging out with them and stuff and weekends and all that. Um, the blog posts, uh, are an important, all, all the blog posts that I'm writing now are going on to the epicweb.dev slash articles. Um, that's important for SEO purposes and all that too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, not shy to admit that I'm, I'm trying to get people's attention on this, uh, so that, you know, you got to build an audience around it and a brand and stuff. Um, and so everything that I'm doing is centered around Epic web. In fact, um, the last couple of live streams I've been updating my website, kensydotts.com, but it's because I want to investigate a technology I want to use in, um, what I'm building for, uh, the app that I'm building. It's called rocket rental. It's basically, uh, if you've heard of Turo.com where you can rent out your, your car to somebody, uh, this is where you can rent out a rocket. It follows the Epic theme of like space and stuff. Uh, so hopefully, um, Uh, ridiculous enough that people won't actually believe it's real um but realistic enough that like you know we've got a a product i can basically clone so i I don't have to make as many product decisions and i can just focus on okay what is a real world product need for this sort of thing um and so yeah anyway that's kind of where uh where things are at so far with that
1: nice yeah we're into like fun space puns and space analogies too being at Log Rocket, you know, it's all it's all there. I'm in, I'm I'm into the energy. Um yeah, so I guess part of the reason I, I brought up the blog is we were um uh Kate brought it up actually one of your recent posts and I read through it and it was really good the your post on the web's next transition. Um can you can you like kinda it's, it's a pretty long post, but can you give us like a, a high level of kind of what that what that post covers and, and what you're what you're talking about there?
0: Yeah, sure. I, I could obviously talk about this at length, um, but I'll keep it brief. So the idea is that since the beginning of the web, we've been able to build applications. Um, even like over 25 years ago when HTML came out, it had both a form and an anchor tag. So you had the beul- ability to transition between pages. Uh, go from one, one page to another and the ability to make changes um, to the data on the back end, like to submit data uh, through the form. And so we've been able to build web applications since the beginning of the web um, and the, um, uh, the mechanisms were there. And so the first way that we did that was, was with a multi-page app. We didn't call it that. It was just an, a web uh, website. Um, but that's what, what we call it now is multi-page app. That's the architecture for that. Um, there were problems with the architecture that led us to, uh, the next architecture, um, that I call a progressively enhanced multi-page app, um, problems with that one led us to a single page app, uh, architecture, which is where most developers, um, are working on single page apps, um, uh, people sometimes take issue when I say that uh, because they're like, no, no, no. I, you look at all the web stats and most apps are multi-page apps. Well, yeah, that's because we have WordPress. Uh, and the, I'm, not, I'm not talking about most deployments. I'm talking about what most developers are working on. And by far, most developers are working on single-page apps um, or, or some, some variants of that, like SSG, that counts. That's a single-page app too. Um, so w- once the user gets there and they transition, like the architecture of how requests happen uh, that's a single page app. And, and so the blog post describes those architectures. Um, I feel like we are currently in the process of transitioning to a new web architecture, uh, that I'm calling a progressively enhanced single page app. Uh, I, or shortened to a PESPA and, uh, remix is the leading the charge on that. Um, but other frameworks are following suit. Uh, so SvelteKit and, uh, and SolidJS in particular um, are uh, taking advantage of what the web has op- to offer today and um, applying uh, progressive enhancement to that to make the mental model for building the web app a lot better and the user experience as well. Um, so I think there are other th- exciting things that are happening on the web, uh, but as far as um, like taking taking away whatever UI library you prefer to use, like let's, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. What what I'm talking about is the whole web architecture for where the code you're writing ends up running. And um, in the world that I'm seeing, um, we are moving to an architecture that is similar to a multi-page app, um, but with the um, the user experience of a single page app. And that's what I'm calling a PESPA.
1: Nice, and I, I know there's like a ton we could get into. The again, the blog post is really good. I'd encourage users to go read it because I read through it and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, like can you can you contextualize a little bit why why we would care? Like, what what are some of the good disadvantages um, of like big SPAs right now?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, when we went from MPA to uh, PEMPA, the progressively enhanced MPA, uh, that uh, or PEMPA. Uh, that was driven mostly by user experience needs. Um, the user experience of an MPA uh, is problematic because full-page refreshes and inability to really control the loading experience. Um, but uh, progressively enhanced multi-pitch apps uh, resulted in an enormous amount of code duplication uh made it very, very difficult to maintain. And so we decided to get rid of uh, the progressive enhanced piece and just do all rendering on the client. Um, and what so that, uh, transition was driven mostly by developer experience. Um, and we just lost a lot of uh, user experience, um, benefits there, um, and, and started doing all sorts of things to, to benefit primarily the developer. Uh, now developer experience is an input into user experience and that, so that's fine. Like you can be more productive. That's great. Um, but, uh, but what if we could just have a great user experience and developer experience at the same time? And that's what uh, PESPA does. It, it brings us back to the mental model of an MPA, which is like crazy simple to think about. Um, it, it just drastically simplifies your development. So developer experience is better, um, but it, it also gives us the um, the loading experience of an MPA as far as like getting on the page on the first time even if all the data on the page is dynamic a lot of people are like well I've got SSG and so like you know it's all just on a CDN well yeah most of the apps that you build for money uh, where the app actually makes money it has dynamic data and so you're going to just have loading spinners in front of your face forever and that's that's the status quo right now Um, my favorite example is chase.com like you have like 12 loading spinners on the page Even like the homepage, not even authenticated. Like you're on the homepage, you got 12 spinners in your face. Uh, YouTube.com, same problem. Um, You download three megabytes of, of JavaScript before you see anything useful. Um, it, it's nuts, uh, what the status quo is right now.
1: Yeah. Chase is bad. You prompted me. I just loaded it. It's rough. What a, what a landing page. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) We've gotten Mm -hmm. like, it's crazy. We've gotten so used to this. It's the status quo, but, um, it doesn't have to be that bad. And so from, uh, from product, uh, standpoint, it's way better. Pespa architecture is just so much better. Um, and then from a developer experience standpoint, PESPA is also better, so this is the first time we're transitioning into something that's better for both UX and DX, and it's really exciting. People definitely need to pay attention.
1: Nice, I, I guess. I guess. Do you think? Do you think that? Well, like, I guess. Do you foresee this transition happening because the the developer tooling is finally getting there? Do you think that's what's kind of driving this more, or do you think there is a need? Is it? Is it like? Um, a competitive need in the market where like to be, you know, competitive and cutting edge and for SEO's sake and all this stuff, you need to be doing this. And you th- do you think that's what's driving it? Or do you think it's primarily now the developer experience is good enough or we can do, like you can develop, you know, th- th- in this kind of way where you have all these niceties of a single page app, but you can do it with um, the performance that the multi-page apps gave us of
0: old. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I I think that this architecture was possible technically, um, since like, uh, we could make Ajax calls. Um, So like back in the early 2000s, we could easily have uh, gone with this architecture. We didn't do that uh, for various, well, okay, so I shouldn't say easily, because one aspect of the PESPA architecture that makes it different from uh, the PEMPA, which is progressively enhanced multi-pitch apps, uh, is that that um, we can write our UI and have it run both on the server and the client um, and, and like in the same language um, that is an important aspect of what a PESPA offers you um, and so the um, yeah the ability to do that may be a little bit later but um, what's driving this I think um you know frankly for for most developers it's the developer experience that they're looking for um and so uh, our tools have gotten better and, and remix um the remix is the one that has made people start caring about this um because for a long time people didn't care about progressive enhancement uh you know what so what if i have a white screen until the javascript loads like i'm going to have a white screen until the html is downloaded what's you know extra javascript um And, uh, and so a lot of what drove our, um, our move into spas was people just not caring about the UX as much and just focusing on the DX. Um, and so the fact that DX is improved with, uh, progressive enhancement, uh, single page apps, um, I think that's what's driving a a lot of developers. Um, but there's very, very clearly a user experience improvement as well. Um, with the PESPA architecture, and there are definitely a lot of developers who care about the uh, user experience as well. Um, and so, and it, like, also sometimes people care maybe a little too much about the, the user experience, uh, where they're measuring like or, or optimizing for milliseconds uh, rather than like uh, in, in how fast their UI renders, uh, rather than like thinking about, hey, how about we change our infrastructure a little bit and get you know hundreds of milliseconds faster? Um, so yeah, there, there may be some, um, uh, some misunderstanding on, on where the biggest bang for your buck is. Uh, but the cool thing is that Remix, uh, in also like deploys everywhere, uh, wherever you want to deploy, like you can deploy it on Akamai if you wanted to and have it like run server side on the edge on Akamai, uh, which is pretty wild. Um, so yeah, Remix is just going to improve both the UX and DX. And so I think that's a big reason why, so many frameworks are, are moving toward this type of architecture is because you just get both um, um, a UX improvement as well as a DX improvement. Yeah, awesome, awesome.
1: Yeah, thank, thank you for that overview. I know it's always hard to like distill this thing that you felt warranted a big uh, lengthy blog post, like, oh, give us the five minute version, but I, I appreciate you going through it.
0: Yeah, well, I I am um, giving this as a talk. Uh, so if people want to dive a little deeper, even than the blog post, um I have uh, various um, conferences I'm going to in the next couple of months. Uh, so if you go to kcd.im map, you'll see the conferences I'm attending in person. Um, and if you go to my website slash talks, uh, then that's all, like that includes remote workshops there too, or, or remote uh, uh, talks I'm giving there as well. So
1: nice, awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll get links to uh, both of those and all the other stuff we talked about in the show notes so people can, can find it. Is
0: there anything else you'd want to
1: um, point listeners to?
0: Um, yeah, so uh, as far as like shameless self-promotion, uh, testingjavascript.com is a great place to learn testing. Epicreact.dev is a great place to learn React. And um, I have a, a really awesome Discord community as well. Uh, if you want to join that, you'll find links to that uh, on my website. And um, yeah, if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, uh, my YouTube channel is where I'm live streaming and epicweb.dev is uh, where you'll find our new articles that I'm writing. Uh, all about the web. The, the thing is, you asked earlier uh, what the Venn diagram between what I was doing at Remix, what I'm doing now with Epic Web uh, Dev is. And there's definitely overlap. The, the cool thing about Remix is that it's not so much a... Um, uh, it, it's We don't like people calling it a React framework because it totally is not. In the future, uh, React will be an option. Uh, and you'll be able to use other UI libraries. Um, what it is is a web framework. And so, so much of what Epic Web is going to be is about web fundamentals, uh, web stuff. And so, there definitely is a, a crossover, and I'm using Remix, of course, to, to build it, uh, to build the app that we're going to be learning um, uh, with. But uh, but yeah, so much of what Epic Web is is about the web, and that's why it's not epicremix.dev, which I was actually planning on building, but my... Um, yeah. Ambition group. <laughs> I know I want to, want to focus more <laughs> yeah. on just everything there is to be a full stack web developer.
1: Nice. I think Epic web dev rolls off the tongue a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The idea is I, I want to turn you into an Epic web dev.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's great. Perfect. Cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on, coming on and chatting with us, Kent. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you very much, Noel. Take care.